0: I live on the 29th floor, and directly across from my building, there is an outdoor plaza where there's a multitude of different events hosted throughout the year, and that ranges from cultural festivals, food festivals, concerts, you name it. Uh, Now, this space also happens to be a very popular destination for rallies and protests, and in recent weeks, uh, the ones I can think of are... Uh, one called Leave Our Kids Alone, and that was protesting the curriculums taught in schools here and was essentially, in my opinion, an anti-LGBT rally. Now, now the most recent thing that's been happening almost daily down there is uh, regarding the Israel-Palestine situation, and I obviously don't want to get into the details of any of those things. Uh, What I do want to mention is that As I said, I'm on the 29th floor, and I'm sure that for anybody that's right down in the thick of that, right in the fire, that is probably some of the most intense action they've ever seen, and it feels like the only thing that matters in the world in that moment. And I stand on my balcony on the 29th floor, and I look down on it, and I mean... They're chanting, and sometimes I can make out what they're saying, but other times it's kind of just inaudible murmurs. And a lot of times they're holding signs and waving flags, and well, from where I'm standing, it's difficult to make out what those signs say. That's only 29 stories up, and imagine if I just zoomed out another 1,000, 5,000 feet. What would I be able to make out? and how significant would any of that look to me? Today I want to talk about my own experiences and one thing that really helped center me, and that was to learn to zoom out. This is Moonstruck Wayfair. Let's get the fuck into it. Moonstruck. Some days this feels like it was a a lifetime ago, and other days it feels like it happened yesterday. Only a few years ago, when I was still living in Japan, I got the news that my son was diagnosed with stage 4 terminal cancer. And the day I got that news, I was at a level where I could say I was making some very slight progress in some of the things I had been dealing with at the time, and those things were very severe mental illness symptoms and a very, very bad drinking problem. Now, when I say I had made some progress, I I don't think I had made any great progress, but I had gotten to a point where, well, at least on the weekends when I was with my son, I had been able to significantly cut down the amount of drinking I would do. And I was on some medication, antipsychotics for the symptoms I was having. And I believe that that medication was working. But when I got the news that my son was sick, I I went off the fucking deep end because of course I did. I was not ready to be an adult yet. I was ready to basically just react as if a, selfish alcoholic would react and what did I do but spent the first month buried in booze that first month is kind of a blur even when I look back with clarity now and try to remember exactly how it was the only thing that's really vivid is well the only thing that's really vivid is I would get up at this hotel near the hospital every day and I would drink a few strong 9% drinks beside the river before I even bothered to go to the fucking hospital. And that was the only way I could bring myself to see my kid in that state. And you might be imagining some poor kid who's hooked up to all these machines and fighting for his life, but that wasn't even the scene. It's He was the happiest, most energetic fucking kid you've ever seen. When I would show up to the hospital, he'd be full of energy and joy and all he wanted to do was listen to some music and dance and show off to the nurses how great of a dancer he was, which, by the way, he was. And even though he exuded all this amazing positivity, I still put it on myself to be this fucking woe-is-me victim. Like, I was the only one affected by that situation. And when I say, like, I wanted to focus on... Where I learned to zoom out, I think it starts right there because I couldn't even zoom past my own fucking skin back then. I'm looking down at a three-year-old boy with cancer. I'm looking over at his mother who is devastated. I'm looking at all these doctors who are doing every single thing they have in their ability to try and save this kid's life. And still my attitude is, oh my God, poor John, poor fucking John. I'm not saying I don't deserve any sympathy because of course any parent going through that deserves sympathy, but who deserves more sympathy? The people who are trying their damnedest and actually give a shit or the the guy who's just drinking his sorrows away and, and feeding off of all the sympathy and all the, oh, poor you, Johnny, are you okay? Are you okay? I mean... I am disgusted with versions of myself throughout my life, and that is easily the version I'm most disgusted with. Now, when I first first started to get a glimpse of this zoom-out concept, I think it was when I went into my first AA meeting. I was able to drop my guard. This was about a month into my son's treatment, and... I realized and was strongly kind of pushed in the right direction by some people who love me very much. Um, I knew I had to do something. And so I did decide I'm going to make the college try here. And I, I walked into this first AA meeting and there's about eight or nine guys in the room. And over the course of the next hour, I, I learned very quickly that my problems right here and now are not... Not nearly as unique as I think them to be because I am sitting in this room with people who, I mean, there's nothing you're going to say to them in regards to being an alcoholic that's going to shock anybody because... They've all done it. They've all lived it. Like the details are not the same, but they've all done some version of it. They've all lost everything. They've all fucking been at the very, very bottom and everybody's bottom is different, but everyone there has experienced their own version of it. And if you try to go into one of those rooms and and be a show off, like you've got the worst story, nobody's going to buy it because they've all lived it. And I think one of the biggest takeaways from that very first AA meeting was no, you're not alone in this. And you're obviously you're not the only one with a drinking problem and you never thought you were, but you just didn't have the fucking scope to see how not alone you really were. If you just let other people in now, that was the, the first step in, a very strange looking path if you've seen the old footsteps poster about jesus walking alongside the guy and then for a while it's only the one set of footsteps it was anyway not important but if you were to look at my footsteps in the sand over the next little while you would see uh at times just my feet at times uh hundreds of sets of feet uh, at times, just a staggering back and forth is sometimes just a big fat line where they're dragging my body through the sand. Um, but that first step was big for me. And that was the first time I kind of zoomed out and I zoomed past my own skin and sat just above that room and that circle of guys in that room and realized, you know, if I zoom back down into just one of them, And live the last 20 years of their life. I bet they have felt just as bad or worse than I feel right now. And how fucking dare I think I'm the only one. That was zooming out 10 feet. And what if we went 50, 100, 500, 1,000, 10,000 feet in the air. I'm looking at the entire city of Osaka, Japan. And you could zoom back down to any number of those people in the 20 million population and find someone who's had it so much fucking worse than you, worse than you can ever imagine. Now, I don't think that it's selfish to feel for your own situation or to be stressed out or panicked in the moment. Not by any means, but to keep that the focus for as long as I did is inherently selfish, and that's part of what disgusts me, especially with what was going on just with the people immediately around me in that moment. I I guess what I'm really trying to get at today is the fact that something that really helped me in sobriety was to learn to step back from my own situation and appreciate that Despite what I've got going on, despite how bad things were in that moment, that it sounds so cliche to say, you know, somebody else has got it worse. And it's maybe not fair to make your, to compare yourself to other people. But, but truly, it's, you don't even have to see that somebody else has it worse. I mean, at some point, maybe you've even had it worse than it is now and realize that it could still get much fucking worse especially in a situation that you can change. So where I was able to make a little bit of headway was just by trying to appreciate that I wasn't alone and I had to start zooming out slowly and slowly. And that's one of the biggest things that led me to where I am today. Today I'm 207 days sober. And... Nowadays, I haven't experienced the mental illness symptoms in a very long time, and I haven't taken a drink in a very long time, but obviously I still have problems, I still have things that stress me out, and because I'm not a fucking drunk anymore, well, that whole zoom out concept is a lot easier for me to do now, um... And I think the reason I I started out with the thing about my balcony and looking down is because if I did want to just get on my elevator and go down, which I did, um, just go walk through that crowd of people waving Palestinian flags every day. Think about, well, why are they waving Palestinian flags? Uh, If you look at them, clearly... They appear to be from that part of the world. Maybe they're from Palestine directly. Maybe they were some of the people that were able to get over here when things were bad in the past. And maybe they still have very close people to them that are over there right now. Over there when fucking hospitals are being bombed and when paratroopers with machine guns are coming down. And I'm not talking about any particular side. I'm talking about both sides of this fucking thing. Like, there are people just downstairs from me who are so passionate right now because they are attached to this situation in some way that I can't really understand because I don't have a dog in that fight and now I'm sitting here thinking "Well, what are my problems of the day and now I'm looking at somebody who's maybe a hundred meters away from me who fucking hell what have they seen what have they gone through I lost a son to a disease that was nobody's fault. There are only people to thank. And those are the people that tried to do everything they could to make his life as great as possible before he passed away. But what about some of these other people who have lost kids because of this conflict over there? I mean, imagine some of the ways those fucking kids have passed away. I bet it wasn't singing and dancing to party rock like my son was. I bet I wasn't surrounded by hugs and kisses and people who just loved and loved and loved. I bet there were some very fucking graphic scenes that happened and still happen every single day. And that's kind of the whole zoom out thing for me is it doesn't fucking matter how bad it's ever gotten for me, how bad it ever will get for me. Hope to God it never fucking gets worse than it did, but there is just so much shit out there so much fucking terrible things that can happen and that realization that internalizing of so many things over these last few months has created this thing that I hear successful people in recovery say all the time gratitude I have fucking gratitude I am grateful for what I have right now I can't do anything about what was lost. But what I can do is take advantage of everything that is now and everything that will be. And some of the things I've done this year, I I am now sitting on the board of the Leaf for Many Syndrome Association, Canada. That's a research organization dedicated to research of the condition that my son had. They are working tirelessly to make improvements to the way people are diagnosed, the way people get screened, a lot of preventative measures, and maybe someday finding a way to beat this damn thing. And then people in the future, families don't have to watch their their loved ones go through that someday. I want to get involved, and I did get involved in this organization because that's me taking advantage of what is now and what can be instead of wallowing about what was, um, I mean, it's just, it, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm getting distracted here, but it's, you know, bringing this stuff up, I just, I think back to that guy again, and I, you know, in the middle of me saying about, not thinking about the past, and, and, taking advantage of the now i'm still like i'm getting upset just fucking disgusted at this fucking dude that once was this fucking selfish alcoholic piece of shit that just couldn't get past himself and i you know i probably gonna if i'm doing this podcast it's probably gonna happen a lot where i rile myself up because it's fucking honestly the the things i fucking did when i think about it and i guess you know over time we'll get into a lot more of that but I should probably work on wrapping this one up because I don't want these things to be like fucking like an hour long. Or we'll see. I don't know, but uh, anybody, it's it's brand new, so I don't know how many people are listening yet. But uh, here's some homework for you, um, if you want. Uh, go on YouTube and just type in "the pale blue dot." If you don't already know it, it's a speech given at the end of a, of a series made back in the day by Carl Sagan. Uh, the series is called Cosmos. Uh, it was remade by Neil deGrasse Tyson a few years back. And in that original series, he he ends it with this speech called The Pale Blue Dot. And the visual in its very primitive 1970s animation is uh, what starts out on a uh, a good, clean look at the planet Earth uh basically taking up the entire screen. And then it slowly pans out as he delivers this speech. And by the end of that speech, the planet Earth is, it's not recognizable. It's, well, in his words, it's a speck of dust suspended on a sunbeam. And I try to look at everything in my life now that's problematic as a speck of dust suspended on a sunbeam. No matter how fucking bad it is now, No matter how bad it was, I mean, go 10 years in either direction. Go up 25 feet and look around. It's just, it's not worth it to think you are sitting here alone in your own little fucking planet and everything around you is out to get you. It's just, it's not the case. Um, So zoom out. From everything, when you feel the fucking worst you're ever going to feel, you just need to zoom out and see that not only are you not alone, because so many people are fucking suffering simultaneously, but somebody's got it a lot fucking worse than you do. And I'm sure the fact that you're even listening to this goddamn podcast means you've got access to things that half the population on the planet doesn't. So, I'm not trying to come off as some guy with wisdom. I really don't have any. This is just my takeaway from my own fucking experience. Uh, I'm grateful to be here. I'm always going to be grateful to be here. Um, I seem to be running out of steam, so I think I, I should probably cut it off now. Um, if you don't follow my Instagram, it's same as this. Moonstruck Wayfarer. Um, If you're listening to this, I hope you're subscribed to it. I I hope you'll share it with some people. I I do want to get a following on this thing eventually. Um, But, I mean, if you don't subscribe and if this is the only episode, then I hope you got something out of it. Uh, Thanks for listening, and uh, I'll see you next week.